Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hey Otterites, this is episode 152. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So we're cheekily calling this an episode about nothing, but genuinely it's an episode about Seinfeld. Yep. The show about nothing. Yes, the show about nothing. And, you know, again, another one of these kind of Gen X touchstone things, it was... Uh, a hugely popular program as we were in our 20s and early 30s. And, um, you know, it was different. It was very, very different when it debuted. And the rule was, from the creator Larry David, no growth. Right. The characters are never supposed to get better. Right. And that tumps the whole TV show paradigm on its head. It dumps the entire storytelling paradigm on its Well, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it is the antithesis of what a story should have. You know, it just amazes me <laughs> the show was on for eight years. Yeah, I mean, how do you... If you if, how if do you, you milk that? Yeah, how do you tell a story when there's nothing <laughs> to tell? Uh, and yet they did it. Yeah. Successfully. And, but, so, you know, a lot of stories, it was really a lot of the same things with different sight gags or yeah. different... People plugged into them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember specifically there was this one episode, because it was so ludicrous, about shrinkage. Yes. Oh, the famous shrinkage episode. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So somebody sees George, this woman he's trying to, to bed, sees him naked after he gets out of the, the ocean, because they were at some beach yes, house or something. They were at, yes, they were uh, on the island uh, at, uh, at the beach, and yeah. he was changing after they'd been at the, at the, in the ocean. Yeah. It's like, they, do you think she knows about shrinkage? I don't know. It's like, oh my god, I gotta tell her about shrink, because she was worried. She was think he was not terribly well endowed, and yes. you know that's the kind of stuff that went on. <laughs> there was an episode where uh, Elaine was just crazy over uh, JFK Jr. because yep. he was the big deal, and you know just all. And of course, there's the Master of Your Domain episode and we'll, things we'll like get that. There. Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, you know, other than a couple of things that were gimmicky shticks. A lot. I think a lot of this just was like the same kind of thing. All right, we're going to do this kind of episode with George. Now we're going to do this kind of episode with Elaine. Now we're going to do this kind of episode with uh, Kramer and, yeah. and then Jerry and so on. You know, so it was in a way it was a lot of recycled stuff, but it was done slightly differently uh, in many ways. Because how else are you going to do a show about nothing for eight yes. years? Well, yeah. They're also masters of the short clip. You notice that? Yes. Every single episode is a collection of very short clips, usually with two, maybe three people, and that's about it. Uh, but uh, Often the main characters or ancillary characters. But So it's, it's, it's dialogue-driven. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much so. Well, show about nothing has to, it, oddly enough, has to be dialogue-driven. That's right. Yes. Very and, and, it's very, and it's a snippet moment that the writers will take these interactions and string them together into a strange series of occurrences, so to speak, ending somewhere that maybe you expected to go, but probably not. And I think that's one of the, the magics of it. Yes. So listeners, if you're not familiar with Seinfeld and you haven't caught the repeats on TBS for the last 20 years... Because uh, you had a life to live. Yeah. in cheek there. It is a show essentially about Jerry Seinfeld, the stand-up comedian... Playing himself. Yep. Yeah. And matter of fact, the show opens and ends often, especially ends with him 
Doing a bit of a stand-up. Doing, doing his stand-up. Right. And then it's about his personal interactions, especially with a circle of friends. Uh, an ex-girlfriend, Elaine Bennis, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Um, high school friend, George Costanza. Yeah. Uh, played by... Uh, uh, Jason uh, Alexander. 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 I was going to say, I can't believe that you would... And, and, and I'm not looking at Wikipedia here to get this right. And his across-the-hall neighbor, Kramer. Cosmo Kramer, uh-huh. whose first name is not revealed for like six seasons, I think. Very much so, yeah. Uh, and uh, played by Michael Richards. Right. Uh, and uh, lots of ancillary, uh, as you go, as you said, ancillary characters. Uh, George's parents... Yes, Jerry's parents are in there. Jerry's parents. Newman. 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 Let's get that one right. Hello, Newman. Newman is Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne Knight, his sort of uh, down the hall neighbor, uh, more of a buddy and partner in crime to Kramer, but uh, Uh, enemy in many respects. Yeah, yeah, frenemy, enemy. uh, A little more enemy than frenemy, but yes, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Jerry. Uh, And so it's it's and again Jerry's interactions with other comedians. Um, the girls he's dating, yeah, he yes. has a he has so, a constant string of girlfriends that he's yes, dating, and, and George never has any, and trying to always find. Well, George one. does get a relationship. He, he does. That's he he screws it up, but of he gets course. one. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's always yes. working on it. George yeah. dates, Jerry dates, Elaine dates. None of the relationships, because the characters are so stunted and un- emotionally unavailable, none of the relationships ever take. Right. Really, uh, Elaine ends up with Putty. <laughs> essentially by default because he's pretty much just like her. You know, as we sit here and describe this show, all I can think is, why the hell did we watch any of this? Because <laughs> it sounds awful. Well, yeah, because it sounds like there are no redeeming characters, characteristics to these four main characters. There aren't. And there aren't. But you don't really realize that unless you look back at it and see the whole corpus and you think, it, because of the mandate, no growth, then these people are just are doomed. And to be fair, in a sitcom, you know, they're really that is kind of true for a lot of sitcoms. No growth. And meaning really what that means is no changes to the characters. It's a right. reset every week. Right. The, the infamous reset button that so many different uh shows would work with uh over time. Right. So, you know, in, in many ways that but even so a lot of shows you've still had some kind of growth just because it's natural evolution of the actor becoming more comfortable as the character. Absolutely. And and in, in many respects, that's what made some of those longer-lasting shows really good. Right. Look at Family Ties. Yeah. I think that's a great example of uh, a show where the, where the actors became so much more comfortable with the, uh, the characters. Well, even, even if unintentional. Right. Uh, uh, Deep Space Nine or Next Generation are very good examples of that because as the actors got more comfortable... Yes. You could do more things with them because they were so in- imbued Martin. with their uh, um, with their characters on that. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, uh, listeners, we are refilling our bourbon glasses. We forgot to do that before the show started. That's right, yeah. And let me tell you, talking about Seinfeld, I think you got to have a drink because this is just it's some weird stuff. I, I Should I say noise for you? Noise for you? Yes. That's uh, oh yes. Thanks. You know now. There was... Is that enough, sir? Just one more. One more cue. Oh, wait. How many? How many? Uh, yeah, just one small one. Uh, not that one. Not that one. No, it went on the carpet, <laughs> so not that one. One, uh, one small little cue. Yes, what? What? One little weapon. <laughs> and the uh, leaning maybe. But you know, there was one thread that did continue throughout the show. So there was a plot that had growth, or a subplot. Yes. 
that um, that I think did have some uh, legs in the show, and that's of course. Say when. Uh, and nine thirty. Because you went eight thirty, so I went a little later. Um, so there's you know the plot or the subplot of George and Jerry trying to develop this television show, which George just flat out says in one episode, why don't we just make it about nothing? Which, to me, was the moment, because I didn't watch the show regularly. It was just a every once in a while kind of a thing for me. And, you know, there are times I'd watch it every week for a while and then skip it. And that's when it crystallized to me that, oh my God, that's really what this show is. Mm -hmm. Which was the irony, of course, that they were... Which is, you know, pulling that fourth wall... Not quite, but sort of, kind of. Right. Tugging well, on it a little bit. A show about itself. A show about <coughs> yeah. You know. It, it is the most self-referential show ever. Yeah. The um, meta show about the show. Yeah. So, the, you know, there is that. And, of course, the TV show does get made. And I can't remember if it gets picked up or not. Um, no, it does not. It does not. That's As right. I recall, and I hope I get the story right, the... Russell Dalrymple that worked for NBC um, was going to drop them, but then he became infatuated with Elaine. So he greenlit the pilot, but in order to impress Elaine, he decided to join Greenpeace and quit NBC and was killed like in a boat accident trying to stop a whaling ship. (laughs) So nobody knew what he wanted to do with this show, Seinfeld, so like the next person said, no, we don't want this. And so they never got to make their show. Because I remember they filmed the pilot. Yes. I remember an episode about that. Yes. And and again, the, the show that they were making included like a guy like Kramer. Right. And a girl like Elaine. I mean, so it was, and there was a Newman. And, you know, yeah. so it was this... And they didn't get they yeah. didn't get the reverence. So they're like, uh, I don't get it, Jerry. I don't get it, Jerry. It's like, yeah. but these characters, this is you. <laughs> and and but then the you know I got uh, as I recall, that's what the the, the joke was on them. That, well, that, that, the, the that producer, joke was used more than once because remember they met the mirror versions of themselves once. Elaine had a new set of friends who yes. were like nice people versions of all the guys. Right. Like it was a nice well, guy Jerry and a nice guy George and a nice guy Kramer and she couldn't stand him. Right. But I mean, no, one time on the street there was like the four of them together met another four that were just That's like it. them. I mean, you know, even dressed the same the whole bit. So, you know, that, that joke went more than once. But yeah. I like the fact, yeah, I, I do, I do that remember was, that. was the same episode. Because she was, uh, but I don't think it was the same group of people though, was it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, she was with her new friends and it was all, <coughs> yeah. all of them on the street. And, like, the new friends didn't get the idea. Whereas Jerry and George and all them were like, eh, eh, yeah, 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 hello, nice to meet you. What a bunch of losers. And <laughs> it's like, but they're just like you, only nice. Oh, well, they weren't wearing goatees, so that's kind of what they yeah, did. Well, yeah, it wasn't mirror, mirror, uh, yeah, goatees. Yeah, that would have been even funnier if it, if it had been. Yeah. Because you know, then that would have been classic. But, you know, so, you know, even in the show, they made fun of themselves uh you know pretty openly which is kind of interesting not all shows can do that but when you're a show about nothing kind of anything's open to be made fun of but you know the interesting thing about this show about nothing is the number of cultural touchstones Mm -hmm. that have come out of it Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know 
the master of your domain. That's yeah. probably one of the biggest. Uh, well, no, that's not. It's one of, but the biggest is the airing of differences. At Festivus. Festivus. Yes, Festivus Street. Uh, the airing of grievances. Of, yes, airing of grievances and the feats of strength for Festivus. Uh, so G- George's father's made up holiday. Right. After he couldn't buy a doll for George because of the a fight in the in the store over whatever it was George wanted. Right. So. Yeah, Festivus, Master of Your Domain, No Soup for You. I was going to say, the, the soup Nazi. You can say to somebody on the street, No Soup for You, and everybody knows what you mean. Right. Or, or you know, say somebody you encountered in a, in a restaurant was like the soup Nazi. People know who that is and what you mean. Yes. Um, the Master of the Domain was a landmark episode. Yeah. Dare I say, can I say it? Is it all right to say? Yes. An episode about a masturbation contest. Or a lack thereof, really. Yes. How it's long called, can you go without... It's called the contest, where the four characters all made a bet and had to put up money and say who could go the longest without pleasuring themselves. And they made a lane put in double. Huh. Because it's easier for a woman <laughs> to go... <laughs> you know... To go longer. To go Because guys, I mean, we can barely stop for right now, you know. Um, and Kramer proved that. And Kramer proved. Yeah, all they had to do was look out the window and see a beautiful girl. He disappears all of a sudden, comes back a minute later. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out, Jerry. I'm out. So that was the setup, too, was Jerry was dating a woman who was not ready to be intimate with him. Is this the one where he was dating... Um, yes. Uh, the, the girl who went on to be Daphne. Yes. Yes. Who would go on to be in Fraser and Daphne, Jane Leaves. Jane Leaves, she thank you. She played a virgin. And Elaine discovered that John F. Kennedy Jr. attended her gym. And there was a woman across the street in the other apartments that left her curtains open for Kramer. And George's mother was in the hospital in a shared room. And George had to watch the next door, like through a screen, watch her get a sponge bath. Well, that would he could win that, one, I would think. <laughs> so, so there's these circumstances happening, driving them out of the contest. And I believe George claims to have won, but then at the at the end of the series, in the final episodes, the Good Samaritan episodes, where they go on trial, uh, he admits to Jerry that he cheated. That he lied about winning the contest. So, and George, or Jerry says, well, I did too. Because <laughs> they were the, the last two in. So, uh, but... Which, again, perfect sense for those characters. Right, and, and of course, the, the Virgin discovers about the contest, hears about the contest, says they're all horrible people, and ends up sleeping with John F. Kennedy Jr. Instead right. Of Lane, so. Yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah. You're all horrible people. Like, yeah, so? <laughs> <laughs> so they never did get yeah. it. So this is a very famous episode, very, you know, to mention it in general and then to make a contest out of it, you know, that for, for, even for the 90s, that was really <coughs> an say, That's there. come a long way. Yeah, that's a We really thought Al and the show. family was subversive in the 70s. Yeah. Wow. You know, in just 20 years. Well, I don't know if I'd call that subversive. I mean, All in the Family was subversive in many ways. Yeah. Um, although actually I think Maude was more subversive. It was, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, but it was just out there. It, yeah, it was out there. It, just, it was just... It was... 
it was out there in kind of a um, uh, married with children kind of way. Right, as a risk. Uh, would anybody really find this funny? Yeah, yeah. Or would they just children predated it just barely and. Oh no! Of, by, by several years. Yeah, I was gonna say it. It, it took all those risks early. Yeah, well, uh, it was married with children. Was the way I like to put it was they said out loud to everybody in the family what you were thinking about your own family. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it and it got traction. It was fun. It, it was the well. It was it was kind of like taking some of the uh, you know stand up comedy was huge in the eighties. Right. Because you had so many guys that came out of stand up comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. To to become you know on television and movies and what have you. Yeah. So so people began to look for new comics. Who right. Would be Which the is how next, Seinfeld. Works. <coughs> yeah. Who's the next Robin Williams? And so you know we were we we're kind of used to that sort of thing. So it's kind of like seeing stand up comedy in a way, or the kind of material yeah. right. uh, that you would see. And that's but with Seinfeld, I think less subversive and just more off the wall without really caring. You know the barriers I think had been broken. Yeah. And now they were just actually playing with them. You know, it was actually somebody finds them. Well, yeah, I guess we can do anything we want. And now somebody finally did come along and do it. Yeah, making an obstacle course out of the road cones. Right. That the shows in the past wouldn't have crossed. It's not so much. We're we're beyond crossing the the road yeah. cones. We're we're dancing in between them. Right. You know. I mean, stupid stuff that they did. Like there was one time Jerry's in a car, and he scratches his nose. But he doesn't scratch his nose like wood. Like I just didn't even think about it. I just took my, my finger, kind of hooked it, and start, and scratched my nose. But that's not how he did it. He put the finger on the side of his nose and moved it up and down. Which, if you're looking at him, looking at him from the profile, looks like he's picking his nose. Yeah. And, of course, a beautiful woman pulls up in the car next to him. Yes. And thinks he's picking his nose. Of course, he wasn't, because you know, all he had to do was this to prove that he wasn't. But, you know, slide his finger forward without... And the car drive, starts to drive off, and he starts yelling, No, no, I wasn't doing that. Exactly. You know, that's the kind of stupid stuff they did. Or Kramer. I still think this is brilliant. So I will, I will give them this. He, when he would cook, he would wash his vegetables when he took a shower. Yes. Shower cooked meal. That's right. That's right. Yes. Shower cooked meal. Yes, yes. So, which of course nobody then wanted to touch his food. There was always, a, you know, Kramer was always coming up with bizarre ideas about stuff. Uh, the the episode where um, he uh, somehow or another became a tour guide for a Japanese tourist group. Yeah. And instead of having them sleep stay at a hotel, he had them stay in his apartment and sleep in this massive bureau drawer set that he had in the apartment. <laughs> yes. So there's <laughs> so <laughs> they can't get out of the drawers. And I think he had a hot tub in the room, too. And the hot tub, the steam, swelled the drawers shut. Oh, my God. So he had to get I an don't axe. think I ever saw that one. He had, he had to get an axe to chop the tourists out of the dresser. Out of this oh handmade furniture that, like, I think Elaine wanted to buy off of him or something. But they had to chop it to pieces to get the, to get the Japanese tourists out of the dresser. Or the time that he got the license plate, Ass Man. Accidentally, and you know, people were you know saying hi and thought he was the shit. No pun intended. Actually, Uh, a very good pun there. Very much so. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that went on constantly. I'm surprised at how much of this I remember. I'm not sure how that 
I guess I have watched it a bunch of times. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I ever went back and watched them in reruns. <coughs> you know, you know, some some stuff really does stick out. Yeah, because it was so bizarre. I mean, the, yeah, and that's it. It's the bizarreness of the, the and show, that, and that's and that's kind of what you know the fact that Kramer decides that he wants to wear his clothes hot, so he starts putting them in pizza ovens. Uh, to keep to, to to warm them up to warm his pants up, and eventually he burns them, of course, because he's looking to constantly get them hot. And when he pulls them out, uh, so the the whole thing is about that. And we didn't even talk about the one uh, at the diner, things that happens at the diner. Oh yeah, the, the diner. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of my wife's favorite episodes is about the time that Elaine goes in and um, she asks, "There's no toilet paper," and she asks the woman in the stall next to her. Oh yeah, spare a square. Just yeah, just can you spare a square? And it's like no. And, and, it, and Elaine is just frosty with this whole thing, and she spends the whole episode, you know, mad at this woman who she does see come out. Well, the woman comes in at one, at, comes into the diner at one point, and Elaine heads to the bathroom and steals all the toilet paper from all the stalls, knowing the woman is going to go in there. That nice. she will, she will be. Nice. You know, it's it's it, that's just one of those brilliantly uh, metas that they they had a tendency to do that. Yeah. They take this stupid idea. Uh, and, and run it through the whole episode. I will give the writers this. They could take the tiniest thing and make an entire episode out of it. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Kramer again, going on strike at the bagel shop. <laughs> when he's like the only employee. <laughs> well, Kenny Rogers Roasters. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which, which was very good food, actually. And it was, they were just trying... I guess it was free advertising. I don't know how it happened. But they opened up a restaurant next to Kramer's apartment, and when they turn on the sign, the red light just messes with him, and he tries to protest him, but discovers it's damn good. Well, they change personalities because they change apartments. Yeah. They have to swap apartments so Kramer can get some sleep, and Kramer starts acting like Jerry, like he's kind of normal, yeah. and Jerry starts acting all schizo like Kramer, because he's staying in Kramer's apartment. They change personalities. Yeah, that, that's a yeah. I mean, that's a <coughs> thing of doing that. That was the Kenny Rogers episode, right? Yeah, because no. when the lights are on, mm-hmm. it shines through. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. So, I think it's a good spot to stop for a bourbon break because I just about polished off uh, what I poured. Oh, wow. you must have been really, uh, really liked that one. Uh, what do we have now? It's McKenna. McKenna bourbon whiskey. That's correct. Yeah, it's a. Uh, 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 Henry McKenna. Uh, it's it's Kentucky State Bourbon Whiskey uh, from Sour Mash, established eighteen fifty five. Uh, it's made here locally, uh, here in Louis, uh, near Louis, uh, nearby to Louisville, here in Fairfield, which is just down the road from us here, a uh, little ways. Uh, I picked this up. It's very inexpensive. It's just less than fifteen dollars bottle. On the recommendation, that's great for fifteen. Well, that's exactly what I was told. Because uh, I was looking for something new last night, and at, and the the local folks that says you really really need to try this. He says we cannot keep it in because it is so popular, and it's not the price point. Everybody that comes back really really loves it. It's got a really nice. Uh, again, it's more in the mouth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back of the gums a little bit. Yeah, uh, hits you a little bit in the, in the nasal passages, uh, depending on uh, where you swish it around and how much you uh, sip at one time. Um, so it's got a little bit more bite than the uh, wild turkey, but not by much. Yeah, it's still it's, fairly smooth. Well, that's and that's it, apparently it is one of they said it's one of the most unknown, underknown, great secrets in the bourbon world. Uh, Henry McKenna is just a really, really good brand, uh, and from what you guys are telling me, I don't have it at the moment, 
Uh, but uh, fishing off your wild turkey, I am. But uh, <coughs> Martin's going for a second pour, which is you know outstanding. Let me uh, smell the straight yeah. here. Yeah, because you know you and I are both having it on ice, so it, it's even going to smell different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite as fragrant as a wild turkey. No, no, definitely not. But it, but is it does have a nice explosion of flavor on the tongue. I'm not really getting much in the bouquet here from. Oh, on screw top. We don't often encounter screw tops in the bourbons we get. But again, we it's don't. good. It's very good. That's right. I mean, it's not meant to be a $50 bottle. You know, it's it's a $15 bottle. They could charge more for that. Yeah, they could. Uh, and it's. Uh, I'm delighted that you all like us. I always worry when we try new things, you know, will I get something that you like? Uh, uh, I, uh, the only one that you didn't, Jefferson Reserve, is the only one that got a bad rating here that I had bought. Yeah, because even the... Um, the uh, what was it? The uh, Jim Beam Black mm-hmm. uh, got the initial bad review from you, but then you changed it after you had it on ice. It was a little mellow or on ice. Yeah, right. this is um, dark chocolate. Really, you no think kidding. so? Well, I usually bow to Martin's taste buds here. He usually nails it every single time. A little, a little fruit and a little dark chocolate. I like it. Mm. I, I get the fruity. I'm not really getting the dark chocolate. How about that? But I'm not a huge dark I didn't, I didn't chocolate fan, so I just associate that yeah. with just you know dark bitter chocolate. So. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get it till the second, uh, second little pour there. And you are taking it over ice too, so yeah. You know, there's, there's and then, but that you know that little bit was a little less diluted. But that's a. Uh, Mm, Barkstown. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's staying on the. It's staying on the tongue like chocolate to me. It does stay on the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's. Although maybe because I switch it to the back of my mouth, I, I get it back here in the gums. Yeah. Um, and keep it up front and chew on it up here. Yeah. I mean, I got a little bit on the tongue, but back here, so I can get kind of a. Not quite a whole mouth thing, but you know. Fantastic. I'm glad that you guys like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for 15 bucks, it's like holy smokes. Yeah, that's, you know, that's if you're going to spend, mellow. you only have 15 bucks to spend on a bourbon, that's the one you get. Yeah, that's mm. very, very mellow. That's, that's what they that's what they told me. They said that, you know, that's they can't oh, keep it in one. because it's oh, it's so very popular. It's 80 proof, so it's not yeah. a <coughs> high alcohol it's content. It's high end, it's, uh, you know, higher in the proof, uh, proof area. Yeah, a lot so of the bourbons we get are higher proof. Um, which actually lends themselves better to the ice because correct it, it damps it down a little bit there. Yeah. So yeah, that's good stuff. I I would recommend that. I would recommend that. Fantastic, sir. Yes. So the show about nothing. Why do you think it was? Why Why did it become so popular? Because in my mind, that's the biggest question about it. Is it just how bizarre everything was? I think there. It was a moment, the right moment for something unusual. Is you're coming out of the Cosby era mm, and okay. coming out an era, coming out of an era where the family comedy dominated. Again, yeah. you mentioned the Facts of Life, and all of those were geared towards kids and. And you had the circumstance where, as the kids got older, yeah, sitcoms to try to revive themselves would add in a young kid back in, so there'd be a cute little three-year-old as part of the show. So this was, you know, a, a, a contradiction to Full House, 
or something like that. Yeah. So it was it was for people who wanted to find something different, and it was the right moment for it. There was nothing yeah. else like it before. You're right, because family comedies... Even know, even Friends is innocent compared to this. Well, See, well Friends is a little bit later, Friends too. is a little later, too. Yeah. That's correct. I mean... I mean, it uh, starts while this is going on, but yeah. it starts after. Right. I mean, Courtney Cox was actually one of Jerry's girlfriends in, in an earlier season. Yeah, actually, the, the list here of his girlfriends yeah. is pretty impressive. Uh, that we've pulled up on screen here, obviously. I don't think yeah. it doesn't list Dolores, though, it looks like. No. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, interesting. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Friends was a different... Friends, I think, took a lot out of this because you notice there's no kids anywhere anymore. But this is this is groundbreaking because an adult co- a situation well, comedy... Cheers outs- doesn't have kids. And that's right. I mean, Cheers is probably the first big, that I can remember, non-family-oriented comedy. And it, it's it's a workplace comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, most of the others, yeah, you're uh, right. Although, I mean, you got to go back to the '70s, like Mary Tyler Moore show when she's at the TV station. Yeah, uh, you right. know that's not a family comedy; it's a workplace comedy. Um, but and that's that's the thing about it. It was kind of neither. Yeah, it was not a workplace comedy, even though sometimes Jerry's workplace came into it. Right. But his workplace but, is a bar, and George's did. You know, he worked for the New York Yankees. Yeah, yeah, Elaine working for Peterman and all stuff like that. They yeah. had those moments. This is an adult comedy. Everybody's adults here doing adult things, which is shatters a few molds. <coughs> yeah, because you don't have mom, dad, kids. You know, there's there's none of that going on in through here. Uh, there's no. I think what sets this apart from prior ones, um, even not with the exception of Married with Children, because it also makes no attempt at this, is it makes absolutely no attempt to be wholesome. Well, that's correct. And even if you go back to, yep. like, the Mary Tyler Moore show, it's still making an attempt to be wholesome. Right. Yeah. Because it had to. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's why I say Maude is more subversive than, uh, than yeah, uh, she Archie Bunker, because she absolutely made no attempt to be wholesome. Uh, no, she was she... definitely in your face. Right. Whereas Archie Bunker had its wholesome attempts. Right. Even though Archie Bunker was, you know, could be a horrible person in his beliefs, in his practices, most of the time, day to day, he wasn't. Right. Yeah. He he was still he was still a beloved character. Yeah. Despite all his glaring uh, flaws. Flaws. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas in this case here, nobody's wholesome, and that's the point. Right. And they revel in their flaws. Right. Whereas because Cheers is a very good example because those characters, flawed though they are, are still attempting to be wholesome. Right. Well, and they're all they're all friends, although mainly at the bar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the bar is the the primary setting. Uh, but they are, in many ways, they're beyond superficial friends. I mean, these four in Seinfeld, they're all super, they don't, because they can't make deep friendships. I mean, the deepest friendship is probably George and Jerry. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a friendship of convenience almost. Kind of, yeah. Because they knew each other and they were so much alike and probably it's, nobody else would be friends with them. Yeah, and it's just there's no bond really. It's just history. Nobody else will be around us, right. so we got we all we got as the two of us. Right, and eventually Elaine and Kramer they tack on for kind of the same reason. Yeah, uh, but it, I don't know. It, I, it still amazes me that that even that's enough for it to catch on. Uh, and maybe just because I didn't care for the show that much, it's harder for me to to understand how it was so popular for so long. Because actually, they had to talk him into an eighth season, if I remember correctly. 
I think they wanted to end it with seven. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, there was a... And then there was talk about a ninth season taking place after they got out of jail. But I can't remember... But it seems like that was also a discussion that came up later. It's like, I forget how long they got in jail, but then there was talk of doing an episode that many years later, after they got out of jail, which right. of course never happened. Well, and I'm... Because and they all tried to go on to do other things after this. Uh, and uh, I don't, rem- I don't, I, I know Julie Louis Dreyfus did do some, had some success. New Adventures of Old Christine comes yes, to mind. She, she yeah. had another show and, and, and Veep. <coughs> and Veep, yeah, yeah she's and, had a couple she, shows. She, yeah. She's had a couple of that, but you know, but Jason Alexander and Michael Richards both crashed and burned with their attempt uh, afterwards. I mean, uh, Jason Alexander, he's had uh, he, several he, roles. He's he, done a lot he's of character acting. himself. That's correct. But his headlining the show. Failed very well. He didn't headline this show. No, really, no but Seinfeld's he, the only one that. But that's where the they. Show. But they they thought these guys are so popular. Let's give them their own show. So you got the Jason Alexander show, and then of course you right, got the Michael. I don't remember that. Well, precisely. That's right. It did no, not. No, I mean, I really don't remember they ever had their own shows. Yeah, they, they, they did very very briefly. Very and Michael brief. Richards kind of have a self-immolation moment in a nightclub act. That's correct. That, that, that he destroyed went, his. Yeah, he really went uh, off the rails. He had some. He had a fairly decent placing, his uh, both in a time slot and all that stuff with his show. He was, was expected to be, let's continue Kramer's antics. Yeah. And that kind of went into it. Jason Alexander's show, was it just wasn't very good at all. I'm not, I'm not even sure it got picked up past the pilot, but the pilot did show. And uh, it just it, it didn't work. It, uh, he went on to do other things. Because uh, he's a talented guy. Fantastically yeah. talented guy. But for whatever reason... They try, you know how it is. If you got lightning in a bottle, you want to try to recreate it somehow, and that almost never works. And it never works. That's right. You know, Frasier is the the example that that proves the rule. You know, the exception right. that proves the rule. Sure, because that actually was a better show than Cheers, <coughs> very much so. But it was completely different too. It just it was, had, but it just had the same character. Same character, but a lot of that, and I think hindsight tells us this, and we'll get into it in our Frasier yes. episode, that's because Kelsey Grammer is an absolute genius. He is. He and is. I, and I, and, uh, yes. uh, coming from his background, a uh, difficult growing up background, and lots of breaks he should have got and never did. Uh, he really didn't get a chance to uh, show his genius until he finally headlined the show. And then, of course, now he's still the best. Love Kelsey Grammer. He's somebody else I'd love to talk. I'd love, oh, to have, yeah. love to have a beer with Kelsey. Yes, that's right. That'd be so. super cool. Uh, so that's, I think I mentioned him in one of the uh, dinner posts uh, on uh, com is to invite Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I'd love, I'd love to have dinner with Kelsey Grammer. Love yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's just, he's just a, I understand he's just a nice guy. He really is. Uh, can talk about lots of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, he's, not, well, he's, he's a good actor. You know, he, he's got great comedic timing. And, you know, that's, True for these guys. These four on Seinfeld, uh, it really is lightning in a bottle because they were able to play off each other so well. That's it, yes. And they had good on-screen chemistry, in, which is an amazing thing because all their characters are so shallow and horrible that they could have on-screen chemistry as characters as well as actors with anybody. You know, there, there's a lot of bravery uh, for what they did. Oh, yeah. Because... Who's going to sign up to be on a show where your character's awful? Well, um, you know, it's yeah. very rare actors would but be you know willing what? to do that. I'm willing to bet that that's not how even Jerry Seinfeld looked at these characters starting out. Yeah. Because... Yeah, yeah that evolved a little bit. You think there's some truth to that? Well, I don't yeah. know if it evolved, how much that evolved, but, you know, 
this is obviously it's based somewhat on his life. Not entirely. It based somewhat more, or not more, but also uh, on Larry, Larry David. David's life, yeah, as well. And so Larry David, you know, if it's especially if it's more on his life, he's not going to sell. The, oh yeah, these are horrible people. To the, to the people yeah, that he's so casting, it's, it's, but it would have been an interesting casting discussion about how do you get people to do these parts, and and, and how do you go to Julia Louis Dreyfus and say, look, we're going to do this bit where you can't dance. So the, this bravery of making her look so foolish trying to dance. It's it's really it's really brave of them and, and it, it it was like you said, a really good immediate chemistry that really worked. Yeah, and you know, as with any comedy, that's more important yeah. than just about anything else. Because you can have really great scripts and if the characters don't mesh or have chemistry, it doesn't work. And the best example I have seen of this, so we all know we've seen American uh studios try and take British shows mm-hmm. and make American versions. Right. Uh, the Office is probably the best example of the yeah. one that worked. Right. Um, then there's also the uh, IT crowd or the IT crowd, depending on how you pronounce it. That didn't work so well as an American Life version. on Mars was another one. I don't was, even know that one. Uh, it was uh, John Sim was in it. It's fantastic British. They did a good job here of Harvey Keitel. Uh, in, uh, it was just a one-seasoner. It just couldn't. It just couldn't uh, do. Well, no so the the example I think is the best example of how the script is not the most important thing is coupling. So coupling is this British show lasted four seasons, which for them is only like six episodes, a series they call them. Yeah. And they're ha- it's a ha- it's forty minute comedy, and it's about sex and dating. That's all it's about, but it is freaking hilarious. It's one of the few shows Mrs. Robert and I can watch together. And it's just absolutely hilarious. And uh, the guy who played the, uh, the British, uh, one of the British uh, officers in the original Pirates of the Caribbean is the main male character oh, on the okay. show. Yeah. I can't remember his name. But anyways, they took the first episode, the premiere episode, did an American version, line for line. It sucked. I mean, some of it was a little bit funny, but it just, it was awful. Yeah. Like the, the characters had no chemistry together, just didn't work. So, yeah, you know, the only way you could do a show about nothing is if the characters interact and play off each other well. And I guess that's probably the strongest thing going for Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously it's not the right. I mean, it's partially the writing. Yeah, I mean... It, but you're writing about nothing. How much can it be the writing? Yeah, they, but to come up with these insane gags... Yeah, the these situations to get these people into that people with emotional depth wouldn't have gotten into to begin with, or people who are capable of being truthful with others wouldn't have gotten into to begin with. But then you you take these shallow people who don't want to admit things and want to lie and obfuscate, <coughs> and it turned. It was very funny. It was very good writing with very good chemistry that really, really worked. Well, and they picked up on this as they went along because it got to the point where they started to experiment. Yeah. Uh, and they did an actual episode, you remember the one, completely backwards. Each of the, they stop, <laughs> they start at the end and go backwards in time, one scene at a time. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, it, it, I, didn't, I don't think it was a success in my opinion. But they had the ability to do that. What studio is going to allow you to experiment with something like that that didn't really succeed, in my but opinion? when your show is about nothing and your entire yeah. show is filled with you know two-minute bits, 
it just proves what matter. What does it matter? <coughs> whatever goes in. That's exactly right. In a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, it's some things it does. Master of your domain. There's an order to that. Yeah. But you know, that could still be just as funny. I mean, not just as funny, but could be funny another way. But probably the majority of the episodes mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. That's right, and that's kind. Of, and that was kind of what they were going more with that one because it was in one of the. I don't know if it was the last season, but it was the last two seasons. Well, certainly, yeah. 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 yeah, you know, probably the last season is the one that got the the silliest, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, what I vaguely remember, I probably was watching it more regularly in the last two years than I did in the earlier years. Right. Um, but yes, my vague recollection is they got sillier, which is kind of hard to do for this show. Well, it also may lead to the idea that Jerry Seinfeld kind of knew that maybe they were done at seven. And, yeah. and of course they, you know, they probably paid him a boatload of money, so, you know, saying, you know, right. guys. And that's I, my vague memory. I could be wrong also about them kind of being talked into an eighth season, but that seems like what I remember. Seven is normally kind of where contracts end. They don't, most... Well, most you're seven. lucky if you get past two, much less to seven. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the maximum that they'll go to if yeah. you're renewed. And, uh, and there was a lot of pressure to increase salaries at this time because Friends is doing the same thing. Right. They, well, they, Friends was very, you know, very early on. They were able to band together and say, nope, we all get paid the same. And the early thing was $100,000 an episode. And then starting in the like, second season. And there was a very real danger that, that at, at that time that they could have said, all right, fine, we call your bluff and we cancel the show. Yeah. But luckily, producers realized they had something good. Yeah. Or conversely say, well, we're willing to pay this one, this one, and this one that much, but we're going to cut the other... Two people out. Yeah, they could have done something they like that. But something I think that like would have that. ruined the show. Yeah. So they, they understood the chemistry needed to be all six characters uh, of, of friends and keep that going. And and they did. And it was that solidarity of we're paying all six of us the same. Mm-hmm. And we're all equal. And, and they got it. They got what they wanted. Yep. And uh, I applaud them for doing that because very easily that could have turned into an unequal pay, pay situation. Yeah. And it needed to be all the same. Yeah. It's right. like on Seinfeld, very easily all four of them should have made the same amount. Right. Now, if Jerry Seinfeld wants to get more because he's putting more into the back end of things, that's fine. Yeah. But for the acting portion, mm-hmm. you, you, you need all four of them. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have worked without, without everybody, without Kramer. Right. And even some of the, you know, whether it be Newman <coughs> or uh, Jerry's parents or George's parents... You know, that interaction with all of the, the occasional characters mm-hmm. uh, also helped. But yeah, the four, you're right. It's, if you take any one of them out, it doesn't really work so much. It's not as funny. It's almost like they're parts of a personality. <laughs> yeah, well, all four of them together is an actual person. Yeah. It's still a horrible person, but at least they make up a whole person now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, gentlemen, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, oh, and we didn't even mention it on the podcast. They're real, and, and they're they are spectacular. spectacular. Just Again, like us. Just like us. That's another touch phrase, touchstone phrase that has made it into the culture. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Right? Yes, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. So if you hear that and you don't know where that's from, it's Seinfeld. It's, Seinfeld. it's Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld and, and the writing team. 30-year-old show. Yeah. That's kind and, of the depressing part. The show's freaking 30 years old when it started. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it still commands our popular imagination. It does. Well, 
in, in, in certain areas. I don't know that commands are imagination so much as it parts of it has just become part of the culture. Yes. Because uh, consciously, I don't think it does. Not like a, a Friends, because Friends is still on constant reruns. Mm. Yeah, right now, I don't think Seinfeld's on. It's sort of been supplanted a little bit. A little bit by Big Bang Theory. Big and Bang and uh, Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men, yeah. Which is I don't know how much that's... Of course, I don't do a whole lot of network television of any kind. Two and a Half Men is usually on at least two different channels uh, in the evenings. Okay. See, I don't have... Uh, <coughs> almost to the point where we can finally get rid of all the cable. Uh, and I don't have uh, a box downstairs. I just have an Apple TV and all those yeah. subscriptions downstairs in my office. So, you know, I don't yeah. know what's on anymore. Yeah, um, Paramount Network. Uh, yeah. And a couple others. Um, but even like CMT now is, is playing sitcoms oh, wow. in the evening. So, so generally most evenings, if you come home uh, streaming or cable... And you're watching channels and not on demand. Uh, you will find. Wait, they still have channels. They're still still have <laughs> yeah. channels. Uh, you'll find, of course, Law and Order, uh, Two and a Half Men, probably Big Bang Theory will then start about seven, and Mom right now. Oh yeah, Mom. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So so some Chuck Lorre. You'll find a lot of Chuck Lorre, um, and. Uh, and a lot of Dick Wolf right now. Yep. So good stuff, though. I mean, I, I I admit I enjoyed watching the show, but for the life of me, I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, oh, well, this goofy. No soup for you. Yeah, no soup for me. No that might be a very good way to end this. <laughs> All right. So, well, I guess that we are. So uh, yes, no yeah. soup for you. What's no. next? Uh, who could you boys? It's Hoopajube Times. Times. That's right. Uh, we can talk about some cool stuff next time, but we'll keep it a secret. You come turn tune back in, and you'll hear. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.